Today, our scripture passage will be coming from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those to who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are who are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of God. Uh, would you uh, join me in a word of prayer, and then I'll go into the message based on Ephesians chapter 2. Let's pray together. Lord, I just give you thanks for this day. I thank you for my friendship with Pastor Young, and pray for your blessing upon his family as they take their vacation, and that you would give them restorative rest and help them to be, come back refreshed. And we pray for a covenant uh, Christ Covenant uh, Presbyterian Church, and Lord, we pray for your continued blessing upon their church and fellowship, that you would uh, knit them together as a church, a family of God, and that they may reflect uh, just your purposes in this world, O oh God. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word, and I pray that you would strengthen me in the preaching of your word now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the text I've chosen to speak to you is Ephesians chapter 2, and one of the reasons, too, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Eddie actually was supposed to join you, but he had some illness situation, and so he is not able to be here, and so um, I was asked, uh, I mean, I had time to prepare, but uh, I was going to be away this week, so I picked a passage of scripture that I'm very familiar with, and something that in some ways it's very easy for me to preach, and that is Ephesians chapter 2. And I've chosen the second half of chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 2, just to review and give you a general outline, I would say it's maybe one of the easiest books or chapters to outline. It, it, it lends itself to a very a clear outline. I go through Ephesians 2 for my membership class. And it outlines it this way. In the first half of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it lays out what I refer to as our personal identity in Christ. So the whole chapter is talking about our identity in Christ, but the first half is talking about our personal identity in Christ. And the second half talks about uh, what could be 
referred to in the old days, they used to say corporate identity, corporate meaning the body identity. Uh, but the word corporate in these days, it seems to sort of be tainted with corporate business or something like that for whatever reason. So I like to use the term community identity, or as I've entitled in, in my sermon, our family identity. So our corporate community family identity in Christ as a people in verses 11 through 22. In the first half, it uses the similar pattern as the second half, which is it first starts out with a few verses discussing our past identity in Christ or before we knew Christ, what our life was like before we knew Christ. And then it describes what who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ uh, after uh, Christ has intervened in our life. And so the first half begins uh, that in the past, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were sons of disobedience. We were objects of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. but And he made us objects of mercy instead of objects of wrath in Christ. And that we are, in fact, the child of God through faith. Though that explicit term, child of God, is not written in the first 10 verses, it's a good summary of what that identity is all about. We are a child saved by grace. We're no longer children of wrath, but now we are children of mercy. In fact, we're children of God by redemption, saved by grace through faith. And we are created uh, as God's workmanship, created for good works. Now, in the second half of Ephesians 2, it uses the similar pattern of the past and present. And it starts out telling us what we were in our past. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision uh, and, and so forth. And then I'll just skip a few lines here. But remember that you were at one time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And he could be speaking about this as uh, individually, but he has already said we were dead in sin following the evil course of this world and following the prince of the powers of the air in verses uh, one through three. But here in the second half, it's referring not just to our sinful condition as an individual person, but he's talking about our community position, how we are, as a community, we are separated from God. And so they were outside, they were Gentiles. Gentiles were the foreigners. They were Jews and Gentiles, Jews, the chosen people of God. The Gentiles were those people of the world that were, uh, that God passed over, if you would say. And they were separated from God, and they had no hope and without God in the world. What a terrible indictment in many ways. But he says, that's who we were apart from Christ. We lived, you can say, as people who are lost. And our identity, not only individually, but corporately, we were without God in this world. But then it says in verse 13, but now, um, but now, as it's echoing um, Ephesians 2, 4, but God. You know, we, this is our identity before Christ, but God did something. In verse 13, it says, But now, in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made both the one, uh, both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And this dividing wall of hostility is between two different people. And here is referring to the Jews and the Gentiles. And, you know, basically, if you know, one of the hottest um, areas of conflict that's been going on for not only centuries, but really millennia, uh, that it's the area of the Middle East. And so in the Middle East, particularly around the Jewish people who had a particular identity and their identity clashed with their surrounding neighbors. And so there has been this ongoing conflict between Jews and Gentiles. And I'm not trying to get into all the political ramifications there, but here, it is uh, referring to the fact that the Jewish people were those people considered to be the chosen people of God, and those outside of God's chosen people were considered far away from God. They were without salvation, and they were, uh, in fact, um, enemies of God, and they were under the wrath of God. And so one of the phrases of the Jews were, we are the ones that are nearby Right, And the, the ones that are, were the Gentiles were those who are far off. And if you were to use a Christian translation of this is, let's say if you are, you're, you're in a place where you grew up with the church and uh, there's Christi Christianity around you, you, you are close to Christianity. You are part of the God's people. You are identified with the gospel. But then those who are far off are the people who are far off from, from uh, the, the proclamation of the gospel, people who, in their culture where they even have no opportunity to hear the gospel from their family or uh, from their community. And so here in verse 13, it says, those people who are far off have been brought near and they have been reconciled to one another. The two have become one. The Jews and Gentiles have become one. And so in Christ Jesus is a new people made up of Jews and Gentiles, made up of those who were close to God and far away from God. And, you know, if you were to make an application translation, is like those people who, are, uh, who grew up in the church and those people who are far away from God and recently came to church. I mean, this is just an application point, but it's, it's that he has bridged that gap and he has brought you together in the church, in Christ, to be the people of God, to be the citizen of God's kingdom, to be members of God's household. So this is from verse 19 through 21. He lays out three identity points that uh, he lays out. So, so then you are, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with God's or fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So here in verse 19, you have, we are no longer strangers or aliens, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints, meaning that we are fellow citizens of God's kingdom. We are considered the people of God. And then it says, we are members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. And this uh, end phrase, you know, he starts out saying that we are basically, we are citizens or we are people of God, people of God, the citizens of God's kingdom. We are members of God's household. We are 
the family of God. And you see this picture here. I mean, if you're a citizen of the, of the kingdom, it's a kingdom of nations is many peoples. You are part of many peoples. And then you are the family of God. It's kind of more localized. It's more closer, more intimate. So you go from people to family. And then it goes into another direction of that you are, in fact, stones in the temple of God. That you are the very pieces that is building up the church. You are the holy temple. And here the word church is not used. It's used the temple is used, but the, the place where God resides. That we are not in just individually, as uh, 1 Corinthians speaks about the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and one, one verse, I, I don't have the reference exactly with me, but one of the verses where the temple of the Holy Spirit is speaking about the temple of the Holy Spirit individually, your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. But in another verse in um, 1 Corinthians, it talks about the temple of the Holy Spirit as the, the church, that you are, you together are the temple of the Holy Spirit in whom God dwells. And here in this verse in Ephesians, it talks about that uh, what our identity in Christ is, is not merely that we are a child of God, but that we belong to God's family and that we are, in fact, pieces or stones being put together into the very place where God will dwell. We, we in fact, we are the new temple. Uh, there are some movements of trying to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem because the temple was where, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and the Ark of the Covenant is where the very holy presence of God dwelt among us, and how the Jews long for that. But in Jesus Christ, Jesus himself said he is the temple. That he said, if you destroy this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. And it says he was talking about the temple of his own body in the Gospel of John. But the, when we are in Christ, our identity is that we are the temple of, of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not only individually, but together. So our identity is not just an individual identity, it is a corporate identity in Christ. So when we are a believer in Christ, we should, uh, we should know we are saved by grace through faith, that we are a child of God. But in fact, we have another identity that we shouldn't miss because uh, sometimes if you understand just the individual identity of your Christian life, you can become very individualistic, you know, oh, my quiet time, my spiritual growth, how can I grow? But God made us, God himself, in his being is a being in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I know uh, for Pastor Young, he loves to do small groups within triads, and uh, in many ways, it's uh, sort of uh, modeled after the, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and this idea of perfect community in, in, in three. And uh, I know you guys do that and um, want to continue to encourage you guys to do that. And, and I know you guys are really good at this part of it as well. But I just wanted to remind you how important this part of the Christian life, 
The community aspect of the Christian life is so important. And I hope in this time of Zoom, where you guys have been meeting like this, uh, probably, I think, uh, a year and a half probably now. Um, and uh, I hope uh, you don't get too comfortable with this. It's great that technology is there for us to connect in this way. But, you know, God's people are meant to be together. And, you know, there are great ways you can be together. As I was chatting just informally, uh, I just performed a wedding of someone, um, uh, a young pastor who I met doing online mentorship. And our whole relationship was built online. So I know there are some great things you can do online. Uh, but two days ago or three days ago was the first day I saw him face to face at his wedding rehearsal. And... Uh, you know, it was a joy to be together in person and made it even more real. Because if you just uh, see someone on the screen, it's just, uh, it, there's, there can be some deception. You might not, you might assume someone looks a certain way or, or when they say stuff, you can take things out of context. You don't really get the full body language. Uh, but uh, we should desire and yearn to meet together, be face to face to be a community because that is who we are. That is uh, our identity in Christ, that we are not merely children of God, isolated individuals, but children of God brought together into a family of God, into the community. We are God's people. Uh, and in fact, we are God's people being built together to be the dwelling place of God. And uh, that's what the church is. The church is a place where God's presence can be known and felt, not just individualistically, me connecting with God individually, but God dwelling among his people in the midst of the praises of his people, as you guys worship together, as you fellowship together, talk and encourage one another. And so I want to uh, really encourage you to grow in this aspect of your Christian life and this community identity, this family identity of the Christian life. You know, when I started, uh, or Pastor Eddie, my assistant pastor and I, we started this church uh, eight, eight years ago. Uh, we celebrated eight years this, uh, this June, this past June. And um, we had a lot of discussions. Uh, we went on a 12-hour road, road trip to Chicago, uh, and we actually formulated our sort of church mission statement through that time. And as we were talking back and forth and we were uh, trying to discover our core values and what are deal breakers or what are non-negotiables and so forth, um, there's a few statements that really just etched in our hearts as we were talking about it. And really as we were talking about what kind of church that we wanted. And then one of the first things that we really try to challenge ourselves is to say, to think about what kind of church you want. I mean, it's a natural question. You know, maybe some of you guys, if you ever did, you know, go around trying to find a new church in a new location, you know, you ask, what kind of church do I want to be part of? Right? I mean, it's a very natural question. But it can be, not always, but if you start with that question, it can be a fundamentally flawed question because it'll cause you to look at church life and look at the church from a very self-focused mentality. It's not always selfish, but it will be self-focused mentality. 
the question that we realize that we must ask, and, and by no means it's an easy question to answer, but it's the question, what kind of church does God want? You know, we can ask, what kind of church do we want? We should at the same time ask, and more importantly, ask the question, what kind of church does God want? And really, Ephesians chapter 2 is talking about a church that God wants. God is wanting a church who will be, who are saved by grace through faith. Obviously, it's gospel-centered. It's a people whose walls are being broken down, the two becoming one, the hostility to be brought down. And so a church that is part of the purpose of God. So what is God's purpose in this world? What is God's purpose in the church? And if I may state it simply, it would be that God's purpose in this world is that he is in the business of saving sinners. We are saved by grace through faith. We were dead in sins. But he is saving sinners from all the world. So in one sense, it is bringing together lost people from all the world. It is not just a place that you meet with people just like yourselves. And, you know, our church is predominantly Asian American, and I'm sure your, your church is in very similar ways. And as an Asian American church or having a specific ethnicity of a church, we must ask certain questions about what is the place for ethnicity in the life of our church? And there is a place for it. You know, I celebrate it in our church. But we must always remember that when we look at the particular distincts of our church, that uh, the first and fundamental question is should not be motivated by what do we want? You know, an Asian American church in some ways is very necessary and needed. And it's, a, it's, it's sort of a, what I would call a bridging church bridging different cultures and so forth. And it, it, it works towards bringing people together to, in Christ and helping to form a community. It's, it's a very needed thing. I, I would absolutely say so. But one of the dangers in a particular ethnic church, and whether it be an Asian American church or a predominantly African American or predominantly white church, it's very easy. You know, do I, am I lining up with the purposes of God in, in our church? And this is a question I ask myself from time to time in, in the life of our church. Are we too comfortable in our church within our certain social demographics and so forth? Are we breaking down walls of hostility? Are we becoming two becoming one, as it says in Ephesians 2, this community of people that being joined together, that we are in fact the people of God, we are not a social group. We are not a clique. We are not a bunch of friends. We are the people of God. We are the family of God. We are the dwelling place of God. And we are becoming a church that God wants. And hopefully that's the kind of church you want, the church that God wants. And one of the key factors, just in closing, how I think about the balance between a, being a particular social uh, group or uh, ethnicity within a church and how do we 
serve this wider vision or mission of the church to seek and save the lost among all peoples and tongues and tribes. And it is what I call the balance of home and mission. You know, every local church should be a place where you feel at home. And, you know, particularly as an Asian American church, we want to be a, ch a church where people will come to our church and get a sense of this is a community that I can fit in. This is a community that I can grow and mature. And that sense of home is very important. It's very, you know, we have a community identity. So we're not just about missions. We are a community. But this community that we are brought together in God to be built up together is a community in mission. It's a community called to do something in this world. And so there's a tension between finding a place in church where we are at home, but also stretching ourselves to reach out to people who are different from us in mission. Because salvation, our God's purposes in this world is to save sinners from all the world. He has his people, his elect from all the world. There is not, you know, you're a Presbyterian church. I'm a Presbyterian minister. We believe in the doctrine of election. You know, the, the saved are those who are elect of God, but the elect are from all the world. There is no human distinction that you can say, oh, there is the elect. There is no human mark that shows you are elect. It is the divine mark of the Spirit's work in someone's life that shows forth in faith and hope and love in Christ. And so our business is to desire the church that God wants and to live in tension between home and mission, to find a church that you feel at home, that you can build a community but a, not a community that is self-focused, just concerned about my well-being, but a community that loves one another, deeply cares for one another, and seeks to be on mission with God in seeking and saving the lost. You know, our church by no means does this perfectly in any way. Uh, we are seeking to struggle and grow towards this. And I'm sure you're in a similar boat, but I want to set this vision before you, that we, in Christ, remember who you are. You are a child of God, saved by grace through faith in Christ. He has brought you into the people of God, the family of God. And in fact, he is building you as a stone, as a piece to build up his holy temple, where the Holy Spirit dwells in you. This is our identity in Christ. It is a glorious identity. And one day, this identity is not only going to be represented in a local church. It is going to fill the whole world. The knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so I pray for your blessing, for your church, and for our church together that we would make a mark uh, for the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. 
Our Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for CCPC. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Young and for all the members of the church. Lord, we indeed are a sister church. Uh, though we uh, have not been able to see each other or do things together for a while, that we know, Lord, that you are working in our two bodies. And Lord, may we indeed be a church that you want, that we are not a self-centered, self-focused church, only concerned about our needs and our wants, but Lord, that we would be about what you want. And we know when we submit to you, that is our joy. That is our peace. And so may we live our lives, not for ourselves, but for you. And may our congregations reflect the purposes of God to find a community in mission, bringing people towards God, not just the peoples around us who are close, but even those who are far off as you are bringing all the world, every tongue and tribe and people to yourself one day before your throne. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.